Thanks for joining us on the Authentic Church Podcast. Let's jump right into this week's message. We are on week five of our series now titled The Gifts. And the vision behind this series is to teach you that the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God lives inside of you to bring you power and to bring you freedom. You're no longer in bondage to your sin from the past. You're no longer in that addiction. You no longer have to be depressed every single day because now you have hope in Jesus Christ. And whenever you pray, the Holy Spirit will give you answers about the future because he is the Spirit of God living inside of you. We serve a supernatural God. I need you to understand that. And that changes everything in your life. We serve a supernatural God who still performs supernatural things today. Psalms chapter 77 verse 14 states it like this. You are the God who performs miracles. You display your power among the peoples. Hallelujah. But at the same time, if we were to be honest with each other, how many of you have been seeing the power of God in your life lately? the supernatural power of God in your life lately. Because I realize for a lot of us though, we, we can be excited. We know that God did it back then, but I realize when I counsel people, some of us are like, I just, I don't know. Like, I, I don't know if God can do it in my life right now. I got a pretty messed up relationship. Like, can God fix something like that? Or I got a messed up home life and everything is falling apart. Can God really do the supernatural in my life? And so we believe God did the supernatural back then. But a lot of us have a hard time believing that God could do the supernatural today, usually because of three reasons. The first reason is this, is because you're not seeing a change yet in your life. It's easy to become distraught when you come to God and say, God, I need something supernatural to take place in my life. I need a miracle. And you kind of open your eyes like, God, you hear? (laughs) You're listening to me? And I've seen people come into the house of God and they're like, Pastor, I'm really struggling financially and I'm just praying just for a supernatural miracle over my finances. And let me tell you, God can do it. But if God were to look at your your, uh, bank account right now, would he say, somebody knows where I'm going with this, would he say you need a miracle or you just need a budget? You need accountability. You need some discipline. Can I get an amen in the house? God's looking at your bank account like, what is this from Amazon and Amazon and Amazon? Every single week, every single day, you got something coming in. So for some of us, it's not a miracle we need. We need discipline. We need accountability because listen, God can give you a supernatural blessing over your finances today. But if your spending habits are still bad, guess what? You're going to walk right back into the debt that he freed you from. And so God knows exactly what kind of miracles we need in our life. But the second reason is this, is that some of us actually have backgrounds that have taught us that the miracles of God are not for today. They were just for then, okay? And this would mean that God's character changed on us. And God's character doesn't change. And this is how you can test the things that you hear from other people. Because if it's not in line with God's word, it didn't come from God. Because there are people today saying, well, the miracles don't happen anymore. That's a sad way to live. Because that means you're not asking God for deliverance. That means you're just going to be oppressed to your addictions or the demons that are in your life. That means you're not asking God for healing over your life, healing over your body, healing over the situation that you're going through. That means you're not going to see a miracle because you're not believing that God can give you a miracle over your relationship or over the things that you're facing today. And again, we serve a supernatural God who still works supernatural miracles in our life today. God does not change his character. Malachi chapter three, verse six says it very plainly. I am the Lord. I do not, what? 
I do not change. It's that simple. God says, I do not change. I do not change my character. He's a supernatural God. He'll always show you grace. He'll always show you love. And that is the greatest gift from our father, that his character won't just change up on you one day and be like, you know what? I'm tired of forgiving you. You're too rebellious against me. You're too stubborn. Go ahead and do what you want to do. I'm not going to forgive you anymore. No, his character is always there. Every time we see in the Old Testament when the Israelites rebelled against God, he said, judgment is coming upon you. But if you come back to me and humble your hearts before me, I will heal you. I will restore you because my promises still stand for you today. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8 also says this. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So we serve a supernatural God. And when you look at the life of Jesus, it was miracles every single day. Supernatural things happened every day. Imagine waking up as the disciples like, I wonder who's going to be healed today. I wonder what's going to happen today. What if I told you that life is for you today? It could happen at your workplace. You could see a healing on somebody in your workplace today. You can see healing over a relationship today in your family. You can see God do a miracle that seems impossible in the moment, the moment you believe. Because guess what? When you believe it, you also have to move by faith. And sometimes we hear a promise from God. Go ahead and pray over that person. All right, God, I'm going to pray for that person at my house (laughs) in the comfort of my home. And God's like, no, right now, lay hands on this person. Do something out of your comfort zone because I'm going to show them I'm a miraculous God. I want to do it through you. What do you do in that moment? God wants to use you for the supernatural. But there's only one verse in the Bible, and people take this out of context, that talks about certain gifts fading away. Okay, so I wanna read this, then I'm gonna break it down. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses eight through 12. says, love never ends. Okay, so the greatest gift from our Father is love. Love will never end. But as for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, and this is the gift of knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part as we prophesy in part. But when the perfect comes, will you underline that? When the perfect comes, Paul said, the partial will then pass away. Verse 12, for what we see now is in the mirror is dim, but then we will see him face to face. What is Paul talking about? The perfect one that we will see face to face. He's talking about being in the presence of Jesus for all eternity. He's talking about the second coming of Jesus, that in the presence of Jesus as the king above all kings on this world, we won't need some of these gifts, but is Jesus back yet? We're not there yet. It's getting really close. So. It's getting really close, okay? Just see what all the Lord is doing, especially right now, like we prayed over Israel. What God is doing, this is prophetic that is happening right before our very eyes. Jesus is ready to come. He's ready to come back. He's ready to bring up his church and we're able to see miraculous things. But right now, we need the Holy Spirit's power in our life to produce gifts, to help us share the gospel. That was the purpose of the gifts, and, and a lot of people, and I talked about this a couple of weeks ago, sometimes we see people that are like, I'm so anointed, <laughs> and I have all these gifts, and they want to magnify themselves or glorify themselves. Listen, that's not what the gifts are for. The gifts are owned by the Holy Spirit, and God will will his gifts through you at the right time to change lives, to bring people into the kingdom of God. We need these gifts, because when you feel like you want to give up, that's when the gift of faith comes in, and God says, don't give up. I know this looks bad, but I got you. I'm gonna hold your hand through this situation. When you feel like I'm not smart enough to answer these hard questions, that's when the word of wisdom comes in and God will actually make you wise. You'll say an answer and like, I don't know where that came from. 
but it sounded smart. You know what I mean? Because it came from heaven. Thank you, Jesus, that you're showing up in my life. So we need the gifts today. We still serve a supernatural God. But the third reason some of us don't like to talk about miracles is because you were made fun of for talking about miracles by your own family. Nobody in your family believed in miracles. Nobody in your family believed in the supernatural and they made fun of you every time you talked about Jesus. Every time you said God was gonna come through, they laughed at you, they called it a bunch of fairy tales and I can't believe you still believe in stuff like that from ancient times. Listen, don't give up. That's what the devil wants you to do. He will speak these lies, even through the people you love who are not living for God. He will speak these lies to put a stronghold in your mind that miracles will not happen for your life, that God has abandoned you, that he doesn't love you. That is not true. Those are lies from the enemy. You keep speaking about the God of miracles to your family. Change your family today. Show them the miracles that God is speaking through you. And all you have to do is move by faith and buh. In order to enter into a promise from God, you must first believe that it exists. And I'm seeing this as God is speaking to the Israelites. He said, listen, I got a future for you. I have a promise for you. But the only people that were able to walk into the promise was Caleb and Joshua. Why? Because they were the only two that believed. Listen to what God said. In Deuteronomy chapter one, verses 35 through 36, he said, now one of you from this wicked generation, meaning the first generation of Israelites who did not believe in the promise, they were scared of the enemy. They ran away, okay? He said, you will not live to see the good land that I swore to your ancestors, except Caleb, son of Jephunneh. He will see this land because he has followed the Lord completely and I'll give it to him and his descendants. God said, I'm going to give it to you as a blessing, but also your what? Your descendants. The generations after you will start to believe in my miracles because you first believed. You changed everything at this very moment, the moment you started to believe. And some of the very land he explored during this scouting mission would now be his. The same was for Joshua. You can believe in miracles and teach your family to do the same. That can change today. And again, I don't know what it is that you're going through that you feel stuck in at this very moment. And and maybe you've never seen miracles in your life before because of the way you were brought up. But I'm telling you, God will meet you exactly where you are today and show you something supernatural because he loves you and because he hears your pain and because he knows what you're going through at this very moment, okay? But in order to step into the promise, You must first have to believe it exists. So the title of today's message is this, the purpose of a miracle. God shows us miraculous things, supernatural things happen in our life, but in every miracle that God performs, guess what? There's a purpose behind it. And I feel like once we understand the purpose of miracles, we see why God still works miracles today, okay? So I have three points that I wanna challenge you with today, kind of show you some revelations, three different stories. Let's go ahead and dive in. Point number one, Miracles give glory to Jesus. Miracles in our life, the miraculous things that we see will always give glory, not to you, not to people, not to technology, not to AI, not to all these other things, but the miracles will always give glory to Jesus Christ. If you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 14. Matthew chapter 14, okay? And this is a story of the storm. And when the disciples were in the storm by themselves, they didn't know what to do because Jesus wasn't in the boat. And this miracle also reveals two 
powerful revelations, okay? The first revelation is this. This is a good one. God will send miracles to save you from the storm. God will send miracles to save you from the storm that you're going through right now. But the second revelation is this. God will also use the storms to teach you something you need to learn. So he will send a miracle to save you from the storm. But like most of us, we want the miracle right now. Like as soon as the winds start coming and things start getting rough, we're like, all right, God, save me, bring that miracle. And like a few minutes later, like, God, where are you? Okay, things are getting scary. Sometimes God will allow you to sit in the storm to teach you something that will change your life forever. So let's go ahead and dive into the text and I'll show you what I mean. Matthew chapter 14. Matthew chapter 14, verses 22 through 27 says, immediately he, talking about Jesus, directed his disciples to get into the boat and to go ahead of him. So Jesus said, get into the boat, go ahead and go across the sea of Galilee while he sent the crowds away. Now, what crowds is he talking about? Jesus had just preached to and fed the crowd of 5,000 plus. Okay, and again, this was just the men. There were uh, 5,000 men. So many commentators believe it could have been anywhere from 20 to 30,000 people that were there as Jesus was preaching to them and fed them all. How many of y'all get tired with like one person? Five people in your life that talks to you all day. Imagine dealing with 20 to 30,000 people. Some of y'all would go home and not come out for a whole week. Like I'm done. I'm mentally exhausted, especially if you're introverted, right? And so in this moment, 5,000 people plus um, had just left. He dismissed the crowds and Jesus goes up into the mountain to pray by himself. But then it says when it was evening, he was there alone, but the boat that the disciples were in by this time was already a long distance from the land, tossed and battered by the waves for the wind was against them. So now the disciples are in the middle of the sea and a storm comes against them. Here's a fun question. Who told them to get into the boat? Jesus. Who told them to go across the sea? Jesus. So you're saying Jesus told them to go into a storm? but that's not what I thought, right? Many of us thought, well, as soon as I came to Jesus, I'm not supposed to go in through any storms anymore. Like that's, that's laughable because the enemy will attack you harder. Okay, you wanna get your faith right with Christ? Let me put some temptation in your way. Let me put some distractions in your way. Let me bring a storm into your life and God can use what the enemy meant to use against you and use it still for good. And he can use storms in your life to teach you something that you need to know because Jesus wasn't giving them a suggestion. That's why I like what he said. He, he directed them, get in the boat, go across the sea. I will meet you over there at the right time. But why does God tell us to go into a storm? Why would Jesus tell us to go into a storm? To teach you, listen, there is a purpose in the storm that you're facing today. There's a purpose in the storm that you're facing today. There's something that you need to realize, you need to understand that will mature your faith for the future. You have to go through something hard and difficult right now to know that God will always show up and that he will never abandon you because this is what blew my mind. So I'm, I'm looking into this, this text and I started thinking about like, we complain all the time about God telling us to go into storms, going to places we don't wanna go. God, I don't wanna do that. I don't wanna go there. Jesus did it himself. You understand that? Jesus 
walked into storms himself in order to show the world the greatest miracle of all time. Jesus knew going into Jerusalem, he would be crucified upon the cross. He knew that this was a storm in his life that he had to walk into in order for people to be free from sin. The storm had to take place. Listen to what Jesus told his disciples. This is found out of Luke chapter 18, verses 31 through 33. Then Jesus talked to the 12 apostles alone, and he said to them, listen, we're going to Jerusalem. We're going on a trip. Here's what's going to happen on this trip. Everything that God told the prophets to write about, the Son of Man, is going to happen. And he will be handed over to the foreigners who will laugh at him. Then they're going to insult him. Then they're going to spit on him. Then they're going to beat him and whip him. And then they're going to kill him. Who's ready for the trip? Go ahead and pack your bags. Let's go. It's going to be a good time. Did you hear everything that Jesus just said? And Jesus is talking about himself. He's saying that I must willingly go into the store. I already know the future. I already know the attacks that are coming up against me. I know what's going to happen. They will kill me and have me crucified. But on the third day after his death, he said he will rise to life again. Like I imagine, you know, for us, we'd be like chills. You know what I mean? But when I look at the situation and reading what comes next, the disciples were super confused. <laughs> and I'm sure they're like, what is he talking about, right? Like, who's going to die? Why are we going into Jerusalem? Here's what happened. The apostles tried to understand this, but they could not. This meaning was hidden from them because all of a sudden a change took place in their life out of the book of Acts when a word of wisdom, a word of knowledge started to change who they were because these were gifts from the Holy Spirit that was able to live in them and bring them power and freedom. And all of a sudden, they were able to use these gifts to preach things that before at this time, they couldn't even understand. For it was hidden from them. Also meaning this, miracles don't always make sense by natural logic. In fact, that's what makes it a miracle. It's not gonna make sense by natural logic. You can't just force it to happen. You can't just make it happen. It has to be supernaturally done by God. No other way for it to take place in your life, okay? So with that being said, what is God telling you to do right now? Think about it. And if you have some notes, maybe you can write it down. What is God telling me to do right now? What is he challenging me to do with my faith? Maybe God is telling you to give up your paycheck to help somebody else instead of buying a, a, the fifth pair of shoes that you wanted. Maybe God is telling you to move across the country and enter into a new state because God is gonna do something supernatural there. He said, I want, I want to use you for what I have for your life. Maybe God is telling you to start a business that glorifies Jesus, but you just got fired from your past job. God, how am I gonna start a business to glorify you? I don't even know how to do this, but God will speak, I have you. This is the purpose. This is something supernatural for your life. And guess what? When Jesus leads you into this direction, that means there will always be a purpose in the storms that come against you. Do not be afraid when the waves start to crash. It's meant for the process. And it changes our perception because now when you're in a storm, guess what happens? Ooh, God's about to do something. You know what I mean? Like, oh, it's, it's, it's getting rowdy in here and things are getting crazy. I know God's about to perform a miracle. But before you were like, it's getting crazy, I'm out. And I'm leaving. So let's continue the story. What happened? Verse 25 through 27. 
And in the fourth watch of the night, this is around anywhere from three to 6 a.m., Jesus came to them walking on the sea. When the disciples saw that he was walking on the sea, they were terrified and they said, ah, it's a ghost, okay? Because there were rumors at this time that fishermen would die and they would become spirits upon the sea. That's actually what they believed. Um, And so when they saw Jesus walking on the water, they said, it's a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately he spoke to them saying, take courage, it is I. Do not be afraid. Here's what's so cool about this story. The same wind that scared them and terrified them is the same wind that carried Jesus's voice all the way to them at the boat saying, do not be afraid. Meaning in the middle of a storm, when everything is crashing down, when you come into the presence of Jesus, you can say, Jesus, I'm right here. I need to hear you. And Jesus will whisper, it's okay. Don't be afraid. I know this is bigger than you, but it's not bigger than me. I know this is out of your finances, but I can still provide things that you don't see today. I know that you don't know how to start this, but I'm doing something supernaturally that you can't see right now. Move by faith, not by sight. Because I'm doing something in your life. The moment they focused on Jesus, they heard his voice. Do not be afraid. But they're in a storm. When did Jesus show up? Three to six a.m. Also meaning that Jesus let them sit there in the storm most of the night. And think about it. We don't like to sit in storms. This is when we get upset. This is when we start crying out to God saying, God, I'm in this mess. And I'm calling your name. And I don't know where you are. I've heard people come up to me and say, you know what? Everything was falling apart in my life. And I called out to Jesus and I couldn't find him. I didn't know where he was. He wasn't bringing me out of this situation. He was letting me sit in the storm. I don't like sitting in the storm. God, I need you to rescue me. Do something in my life. If Jesus led me into the storm, why is he allowing me to sit in the storm? And I prayed about this. And ask God, how come sometimes we have to sit in the storm and we don't understand why? And I felt that this was the answer from the Lord. And I heard to prove that no storm can hold Jesus back from saving you. To prove to you that no other human being can do what the Son of God can do for you, to prove that no amount of money can fix what only Jesus can fix, to prove to you that no relationship can heal or love or satisfy the way Jesus can heal and love you. The same storm that terrified the disciples submitted to the king above all kings to walk on water. The same storm that terrified them, Jesus was walking to them calmly saying, do not be afraid, showing his power in a way that they have never seen before. Through the storm, you see God's power like you've never seen before. And that's a lesson we all need to learn, that he is in our situation, that he's not just going to allow you to drown when you call his name. But if he always bailed you out in the very beginning, you would never know that. That's when you would just take it for granted every single time. You would do what you want to do because you knew in every situation you get into, oh, Jesus is going to rescue me just like that. 
And God knows your heart. And he knows what's on the inside. And so sometimes he sees something in your life that needs to, you need to get rid of. And he's going to say, no, sit in the storm. Sit in the storm so this can leave you. Peace does not come from the absence of storms. Peace comes from the presence of Jesus Christ through the storms. The presence of the Holy Spirit through the storms. And another revelation. There's, there's some really cool points to this story. Because could they see Jesus? No. They probably questioned Jesus, where are you? See, they were in a storm before with Jesus, but he was asleep on the boat. And so when they needed him to calm the storm, they were able just to go directly to him and he calmed it. But this time they were by themselves in the boat. The storm was getting worse. They couldn't see Jesus. They didn't know where he was and they were questioning everything. But what I love about the word of God is that revelations will change your life. Even though they cannot see Jesus, Jesus could always see them. And I'm gonna prove it to you. Mark chapter six, verse 47 and 48 Now, when evening came, the boat was in the middle of the sea and he, talking about Jesus, was alone on the land. Then he saw them straining as they were rowing. He saw them for the wind was against them. Now about the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea, even though they couldn't see Jesus, Jesus saw them. And he knew the exact moment to show up in a supernatural way to give himself glory as the Messiah, as the son of God. See, there were four miracles that happened that night. Four miracles happened because of the storm. And a lot of us know about three of the miracles, but many of us missed the fourth one. The first miracle was that Jesus walked on water. That's pretty cool, right? Jesus was walking on water, showing his authority upon the sea. But the second miracle was that as long as Peter focused on Jesus and was not distracted by his fears, he was able to walk on water too. Meaning in your life right now, when you focus on Jesus Christ, you will not sink. But if you get distracted by fear, distracted by life, distracted by the problems, distracted by the wind, but distracted by what people say about you, guess what? You will start to sink because then you no longer believe that he can do it. But even in those moments, Jesus pulls you out. So Matthew Chapter 14, verse 29 through 31. Yes, come to me, Jesus said to Peter. So Peter went over to the side of the boat and he walked in the water towards Jesus. But when he saw the strong wind, see, he took his eyes off Jesus and saw the strong wind and the waves coming up against him. Then he was terrified and that fear left him in bondage and he started to sink. Save me, oh Lord, I need you. Is that you right now? If you were to be honest right now, in the presence of God, is that you at this very moment? You've allowed fear to consume you. You've allowed fear to knock you back. You've allowed fear to paralyze you. When Jesus is saying, just focus on me and watch what seems impossible take place. Save me. Oh Lord, he shouted. And Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him and said, you have little faith. Why do you doubt me? Why do you doubt Jesus in your situation? Why do you doubt that Jesus can't change your marriage? Why do you doubt Jesus can't change the things that you're going through today? Why? Believe in what he has for you. The third miracle is this, though. Jesus supernaturally calmed the storm. 
And we see this in verse 32, when they climbed back into the boat, then all of a sudden the wind stopped. <laughs> Which tells me that Jesus knew when the storm was gonna go away. He knew exactly when it would go away, but he needed to be in the boat. He allowed the storm to continue until they were right in the presence of Christ. Then the storm went away in his presence. And that's usually where we stop, those three miracles. But the fourth miracle to me is the greatest of all because when Jesus calmed the storm before, when he was on the boat, they called him rabbi. And many times they thought of him just as a good prophet. But in this, this moment, for the very first time, listen, they said, you are the son of God. You are the son of God. You are the Messiah. Verse 33, the disciples then worshiped him. You really are the son of God, they exclaimed. No longer did they see him as a rabbi, but they saw him as a savior for the very first time. But the only way for them to find this out was to go through a storm they didn't want to go through. And so sometimes God is going to lead you down a storm and it will humble you. And it's going to take some things out of your life. But then in that moment when you cry out to Jesus, you're going to realize, Jesus, you truly are my savior. Nothing else can be my savior. You are the only one. There is no idol on this world that can fulfill the things that you fulfilled. There is no person. There is no position. There is no amount of money that can do what you do, Father. You are my Savior, Jesus Christ. And in his presence, he calms the storm. Meaning, you can be in a horrific situation, but when you hear the Holy Spirit speak to you, all of a sudden, you can think clearly again. And there's peace that peace is available for you today. There's freedom for you. Stop doubting what Jesus can do and instead just run to him and call out his name every single day. Point number two, though, is this. I love this one. Miracles confirm God's promise. Miracles out of the Bible confirm and miraculous things that happen in our life confirm that what God speaks will take place. The promise will always be there for you, but it's up to you to believe it, to step into it. And when you don't believe, a lot of us will get filled with doubt and we walk away from the promise. So let me say it like this, okay? When it comes to a vision in your life, without a vision, people perish, right? Let me also state it like this. If your vision in life is not intimidating, then it's not from God. You hear me? I'm be a little bold with that one. If your vision in your life for your future is not intimidating, then it is not from God because everything my Lord speaks is bigger than you can imagine, bigger than you can do by your own strength because moving by comfort is insulting to the Lord. It is insulting. Safe faith is not biblical. You won't find it anywhere. God didn't say, just be comfortable. Everything's going to be okay. I'll give you whatever you want, right? You want donuts today? I got you. Just enjoy the seat, get some donuts, and that could be your Christian walk. Listen, that is a lie from the devil. God said, get up. It's time to move. I got better things for you than just some donuts, right? I got some great things for your life, but it will be intimidating. But again, in order to step into victory, you must believe God can do the impossible. And you know what's funny too? Because I've had so many times in my office, and there's things I'm gonna share with you very soon again in the Believe the Impossible series, but there's times that God has given me a vision and then he's confirmed that vision and he sent people into my life that spoke that vision and I see the word of God confirming the vision and so many things, and I, and I tell people and they're like, okay, how are we gonna do this? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> well, God said it and he confirmed it, but how are we gonna make this happen? I don't, I don't know. 
We'll find out together. You know what I mean? Like, we'll pray together. What's the first step? We're going to pray. And then God's going to show up. Okay, that's all I got, all right? Because God said he would do it. I'm, I'm tired of just sitting here, afraid. What if? Maybe. I don't know. Because every time you do that, you just keep taking more and more steps backwards. Nothing is getting done, and you're still miserable in this situation. When God says, leap, I got you. I got a blessing for you, but it's going to be uncomfortable, but I will save you. Mm. A vision from the Lord is going to be intimidating. And we see this in Joshua chapter 10. Okay, God gave Joshua and the Israelites a crazy promise that was very intimidating. Here's what the Lord spoke to Joshua. Joshua 10 verse 8. God said, do not be afraid of them. The Lord said to Joshua, for I have given you victory over them. Not a single one of them will be able to stand up against you. Now, because most of us know the story, we kind of just keep reading, right? Okay, okay, he's gonna fight the battle. He's gonna win the battle. Everything's gonna be okay. Listen, to this point, what God is speaking about, this is the largest battle for them to, to face yet. Okay, because they've already won the battle of Jericho. They've already won the battle of AI. But now, because everybody's hearing about the Lord, five kings from the south have joined together. Meaning, when you follow God in obedience, not only will the world hear your testimony, but your enemies will be in fear of what God is doing for you of the value and the, the favor that he's placed upon your life because these enemies knew that they could not stop the Israelites from taking over the promised land. So they thought they would assemble together, like there's some type of Avengers or something, and, and have five kings from the south to go against Israel. Meaning God is speaking to Joshua saying, hey, everybody around you, yeah, they're coming up against you. They want to fight you. They want to hurt you. They want to kill you. They want to take you out. Don't worry keep going. I will protect you. That's what God was saying to Joshua at this very moment. And we see the five kings come together in Joshua chapter 10, verse five and six. So these five Amorite kings combined their armies for a united attack. They moved all their troops into place and attacked Gibeon, okay? Because Gibeon had made a deal with the Israelites for protection over them. They actually tricked the Israelites, uh, but they already made that covenant with them, so Joshua wanted to honor it. So the men of Gibeon now quickly sent messengers to Joshua from his camp at Gilgal and said, don't abandon your servants now. They pleaded, remember, we made a deal. And now the enemies are coming up against us. We need you to save us for all the Amorite kings who live in the hill country have joined forces to attack us. Meaning the devil will try to do anything he can to make you afraid to enter what God has promised for your life. And, and, and I'm looking at this in the physical world, right? Okay, all the five kings get together and these forces are coming up against them. And God said, do not be afraid. It's the same spiritually too. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12 says that we fight a spiritual fight. And sometimes when you're about to experience freedom and you're about to step into the promise, that's when these old demons try to come up out of nowhere. That old demon of addiction, that old demon of lust, that old demon of pride, that old demon of arrogance, they want to come up against you. But now you got the Holy Spirit inside of you, protecting you from everything they have to come up against you. Amen. You know, here's a crazy revelation too. And God spoke to me on this one. Just because God promised a miracle doesn't mean the miracle is just going to fall into your laps. Just because God promised something over your life 
doesn't mean victory. It's just going to fall into your laps. This is when supernatural faith steps in. And last week, we talked about the gift of faith, okay? Faith is a gift you can receive from the Lord. You receive and you are protected by God. But there are also times in your life where there's a working of miracles, meaning you have to move by supernatural faith and do something that's uncomfortable and risk it all to see victory in your life. You have to move, even suffer a little bit to see the miracle. How bad do you want to see the miracle? That means if you're praying for a miracle in your marriage or a relationship, that means sometimes you're like, God, give me strength to apologize. I don't like to apologize. And I know that this person was in the wrong the whole time, but I'm going to apologize. And I'm not going to say some of the things I really want to say. God will also hold back your mouth and will give you strength to do things that you normally couldn't do, right? To provide a miracle and a healing for you. But you have to move. Sometimes you got to risk it all. You see it, see the miracle. And then listen, that's when God brings supernatural help. Okay, let me show you this, this is really cool. Joshua chapter 10, verses nine to 11. God said, okay, Joshua, all these kings coming up against you, will they win? No, go ahead and fight them. So what's Joshua do? What's the next step? Go to battle. God says, you got victory, you need to go to battle next. Okay, so Joshua traveled all night from Gilgal and took the Amorite armies by surprise. The Lord now, listen to what the Lord did, he threw them into a panic and the Israelites slaughtered great numbers of them at Gibeon. Listen to verse 11. As the Amorites returned or retreated down the road to Beth Horin, the Lord destroyed them with a terrible hailstorm from heaven. And hailstorm came upon their enemies. All of a sudden, as they move by faith, the enemies uh, become uh, in panic because the Lord was messing with them. And then God sends a supernatural hailstorm upon them. Listen to this. That continued until they reached Azekah and the hell killed more the enemy than the Israelites did with their sword. How did this miracle happen though? Did it just fall into their laps? Did they just stay exactly where they were, remain comfortable, and God is just going to do this, take out my enemy? No. God said, you have to do something uncomfortable. You need to go fight this battle. But as you move by faith, then supernatural things will take place. That's when you see a miracle. That's how you know God is real in your life. I hear this so much. How do I know God is real? How do I know he's speaking? Move by faith. Risk it all. See what happens. See what happens. God will always come through. And he always has for me and he always will for you because that is his character and his character does not change. But please don't miss this. They traveled, right? This means that they traveled all night long. This means that they got no sleep. The distance from Gilgal to Gibeon was over 20 miles, at least eight to 10 hours marching uphill to fight the enemy. Imagine how tired you would be. You're risking your life. You're extremely tired. You're exhausted. You're marching uphill all night, and now you have to fight for your life. What will you do for the promises that God is speaking over your life? What are you willing to do for the promise? You're asking God for a relationship, but you're not willing to wait until marriage for certain things. And you're wondering why your heart keeps getting broken over and over again. For many of us today, we ask God for the position. We like for people to see us in that position, but 
many of us are not willing to suffer the cost to get to that position. So many of us want to be on top of the mountaintop, but not, we're not willing to go through the valley to get to the mountaintop. We want the miracle without the struggle. We want the blessing without the maturity. And so God wants to prepare your character. The most important thing to God over your life is not the blessings, it's actually your character. He's maturing your character and then more blessings come your way. And so as I was writing this sermon, I was thinking about all the things that my family had to endure just getting out to North Carolina from Louisiana. And I don't think I've ever said this from stage before, but I knew before we moved by faith from Louisiana that I would only be making, when I moved out here, $600 to $800 a month for a family of five. For a family of five. A daughter with a medical condition, expensive to go to the hospitals, all these things that we needed, yet God was telling us, move by faith. And when I was scared to death, and and if you know what it feels like to maybe lose your job or feel like financially you don't have enough and you're asking God, how am I supposed to do this? God will speak to you and say, don't you worry. I will provide the finances. Don't allow your finances to stop you from believing in what God can do. And it was crazy. For six months, I made that much. God got us through. And then after that, God says, plant a church. So I went from being broke to literally having no paycheck. It's insane. I'm not dead. (laughs) Look what God did. Look what he's doing in your life. Every week, you know, our online ministry is a form of missions. And every week we have people all over the world telling us how they are coming to Christ, Jesus Christ, because of the word being preached out of this house. Supernaturally. For you, you have no clue who you're meant to impact. God wants to use you, but sometimes it's like you're this close to wanting to give up because of finances, because of things going on in your life that you don't understand. I have been a pastor in ministry for a long time in Louisiana. When God called me out of here, I first worked at another church. And guess what? Instead of preaching, I was sweeping the floors. I was taking out the trash. Nobody even knew I was a pastor for a long time. And there were days, I'm gonna be honest with you, there were days like, why am I sweeping the floor? I want to be preaching. I want to be doing what you call me to do. I moved my whole family out of here. I'm broke and I'm sweeping the floor. And God said, keep serving. I'm working on your character. Humble yourself here at this moment. When I planted the church, there were nights that I stayed up probably till three to six in the morning, to be honest myself, writing sermons, filming it myself, editing it myself, feeling sometimes like it's going nowhere. God said, keep fighting. Maybe that's you right now. Maybe you're up every single night with a dream God has given you. And right now you don't see it as reality, but God is still doing something supernatural to get you to that position. You don't know what somebody has been through to get to where they are today. It's so easy to see people on the mountaintop and believe that they always had it good. When I look at Joshua, Think about it. Joshua was born a slave in Egypt. That was his upbringing. And then Joshua believed that Moses was leading them out of slavery. And now they're about to enter into the promised land. But Joshua never entered the promise because he was surrounded by people who did not believe. Think about that. Who you surround yourself with matters. 
And the people around him did not believe. And because of that, he never stepped into the promise at that time. And he spent 40 years in the wilderness wasting time until he said, enough is enough. God called him to leave. He said, this time we are going to believe in the promise. And as he steps into the promise and he fights his battle, again, he's fighting the, the five kings. They're winning the battle. But guess what? The sun is starting to set. It's starting to get dark. Here's what Joshua knew. He knew that if the sun went down, it got dark, the enemy could hide, and what God had spoken would not happen. A lot of us would have given up at that time. A lot of us would have said, well, there's nothing I can do. The sun's going down. Like it's getting dark. Let's go ahead and just go home and maybe tomorrow it will get better. Joshua said, no, I've wasted too much time. I believe that God can do supernatural things. And he prayed such a bold prayer. Only God could fulfill it. Joshua 10, verse 12 and 13, he said, let the sun stand still over Gibeon and the moon over the valley of Ajalon. So the sun stood still and the moon stayed in place until the nation of Israel had defeated its enemies. When the enemies wanted darkness to come to hide, darkness never came because the light of God was there because Joshua believed that God can make the sun stand still. What are you going through? I'm encouraging you today, believe that God could perform a supernatural miracle on your behalf. And sometimes you gotta sit in the storm, but it's all for a reason. There's a purpose in everything that you're facing today, but give it over to God. My last point is this though. Miracles lead to salvation. Biblically, we see it over and over again. Every time Jesus would perform a miracle, so many people came to him for salvation. And one of my favorite stories is in Acts chapter 16, verse 22 through 40. And before this took place, Paul and Silas are on this uh, evangelistic uh, mission and they're preaching the gospel. And this demon-possessed woman comes out of nowhere and she was a fortune teller. And she starts saying things out loud that these men are men of God. And it sounds good, but it was causing a large distraction. Paul knew by the Holy Spirit, she had demons. He cast the demons out. Hallelujah, good news. But every time Paul performed a miracle, it usually led to a beating. Think about that. Every time God saw something miraculous in his life, it usually led to another trial that he would have to face because there was an owner of this woman because she was a slave girl. And the owner was upset with Paul because her demons brought him profit. There are people in this world that love their demons, that are comfortable with their demons because those demons bring them profit. And the profit that they see is lust sells, witchcraft sells, addiction sells. But you gain this profit for the cost of your own soul and your own eternity. But we see so many people give this up over and over again and Paul and Silas freed her of this. But because they had a Jewish appearance in the land that they were in, which is a Roman, or the Romans, they did not believe that they had Roman citizenship, so they started to spread lies. Acts chapter 16, verse 21 through 23. They said, they're teaching customs that are illegal for us, Romans to practice. And then they wanted them locked up. That would have been bad. You're going to jail. That would have been bad enough. But listen, it got worse than that. A mob quickly formed against Paul and Silas, and the city officials ordered them stripped and beaten with wooden rods. They were severely beaten, and they were thrown into prison, and the jailer was ordered to make sure that they did not escape. They were beaten. They were bleeding in front of everybody because they performed a miracle. 
And now they're put into jail and it's very uncomfortable. Acts 16, 24, the jailer put them into the inner dungeon and he clamped their feet in socks. So now they're in chains in a dungeon. What would you do? Be honest. Would you doubt everything? Would you say, God, I guess I wasn't listening to you correctly? I guess I went the wrong path. I guess I made a mistake. I guess you have abandoned me. I guess you have forgotten me. God, you said you would provide and lead me somewhere, but I've been beaten and I've been hurt and I'm in chains in a dungeon. That's what they could have done. Most of us would have done that. But when I look at the scripture, here's what blows me away. It's insane. Instead of complaining and griping, they started singing hymns to the Lord in the dungeon. In the dungeon, they started to worship the Lord. Every time I read this story, I imagine the song Amazing Grace. I know they didn't sing that. But every time I hear this story, I imagine if the people around them were used to people crying and complaining and bickering, but instead they heard something like, amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Can you imagine? I'm going to ask her, worship team to come out. Because here's what happened. They're in the dungeon. And if they were to complain, if they were to gripe, if they were to curse God for the situation they were in, guess what? Their chains would have stayed on. But because they decided to worship God in the dungeon, their chains fell off. Something miraculous took place. Go ahead and sing. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. This is happening in the dungeon. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Sounds of praise and worship. Was blind, but now I'm Verses 25 through 27, around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening. They had never heard something like this before, not in this dungeon, not in this prison. But suddenly, because they were worshiping God, there was a massive earthquake. And the prison was shaken to its foundations. And all the doors immediately flew open and the chains of every prisoner fell off at this moment. This is what happens spiritually when you run to Jesus as well. The moment you run to him, every bit of bondage you've had in your life, in the middle of a dungeon, in the middle of a storm, when you feel like everything is falling apart, when you worship him, the chains start to fall off. The doors open and God says, be free. Be free. A lot of us would end the story right there too. Say, that's the ending. And God freed them. But that's not what the miracle was about to do. There's a different purpose in the miracle. Let me show you. This is what's so good. Because in a brutal prison, they never heard such sounds like this before. And the guard of the prison, once he woke up and realized what was happening, he wanted to kill himself because he knew that if all the prisoners escaped, he would get their punishment. And Paul did the unthinkable. Acts chapter 16, verse 27 through 30, the jailer woke up to see the prison doors wide open. 
He assumed the prisoners had escaped, so he drew his sword to kill himself. But Paul shouted, stop. Don't harm yourself. Don't kill yourself. We're all here. And the jailer looked around and he saw them and he called for the lights and he ran to the dungeon and then he fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. And he brought them out and he said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? The purpose of this miracle was to bring salvation to a man who wanted to end his life. And so as I was preparing this message all week, it was heavy on my heart. I don't know who this is for or what you're going through today. Or maybe it's somebody that's watching online, but I'm here to tell you, do not end your life. God created you special in his image for a purpose. And maybe you feel like you're in a dungeon at this very moment. Maybe you feel like you're in a storm. Maybe you're saying, Jesus, I can't see you, but I'm telling you today, he still sees you. And the moment you keep focus on him, he will rescue you from the storm. Because his promises stand. You could pray that the sun would stand still. And guess what? When you run to Jesus, miraculous things happen that bring you and other people to the salvation in Jesus Christ. But the enemy wants you to give up. He wants you to look at your surroundings and say, this is as good as it will ever get. No, God can free you today. Break the chains off. Open the doors and save all those who are around you. And so I'm gonna ask you to stand up right here. I'm asking our prayer team to come up front because if we were honest, again, it's very easy to pretend everything is okay. It's very easy to pretend that you don't have stress and anxiety and fear at this very moment. It's very easy to feel like you're taking a career change and you're acting like it's all good, but really on the inside, it's terrifying you. Or maybe it's pursuing marriage and you're just scared over some uncertainties. Or maybe you're scared over finances. Or maybe you're just scared of what God is telling you to do. Maybe he's telling you to do something that just seems crazy. Move to another state. But God, I don't know anybody. It's okay. I'm going to use you. But you can call out his name and salvation will take place. Here's what I love. At the end of the story, they were actually freed because they realized they had Roman citizenship. And listen to what they said. Verse 38 and 39, when the police reported this, the city officials were alarmed to learn that Paul and Silas were Roman citizens. So they came to the jail and apologized to them. Then they brought them out and begged them to leave the city. But the purpose of a miracle in your life is to give Jesus glory. The purpose of a miracle in your life is that the promises of God would come true for you in your situation. The purposes of a miracle in your life is to bring you to salvation. But it's up to you to run to Jesus. We hope you enjoyed this week's sermon. If you've been blessed by this message, be sure to subscribe so that you don't miss future messages. And if you feel led to give to this ministry, check out the link in the description and see the other ways you can get connected.